Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. Governor Tom Wolf has proposed a $32.3 billion state budget for the 2017-18 fiscal year that begins July 1st. Although the governor is once again asking for a broader tax on natural gas drilling and eliminating a handful of exceptions to the state sales tax, Wolf is not proposing sales or personal tax increases. In keeping with the theme of this being a tight budget, the governor wants to make spending cuts and enact efficiencies that up to add up to $2 billion. The governor proposed increasing the minimum wage from $7.25 to $12 per hour and wants to charge the residents of municipalities that have no police departments and are using the state police for protection, for protection $25 a person. Here's how the governor described the budget overall. I'm offering a budget proposal that represents a responsible solution to our deficit challenge and a different approach from the way things have been done in Harrisburg for almost a generation. Let's start here. In my proposed budget, there are no broad-based tax increases. Well, and that got a good reaction from legislators on both sides of the aisle. Joining us as we analyze what the governor is proposing, we're going to hear from WITF's journalist throughout the hour as well. But Dr. G. Terry Madonna, director of the Center for Politics and Public Affairs, professor of public affairs and director of the Franklin and Marshall College poll. Dr. Madonna, welcome to the program. Thanks as always, Scott. If you would like to weigh in on what you heard yesterday and what you're hearing again today about Governor Wolf's budget proposal, give us a call 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at WITF.org. Well, Terry, it certainly had a different tone this yes, year compared to Governor Wolf's first two budget proposals, yep. uh, where he was very, very... Uh, I don't know, ambitious is, is a good word. We combative described it. a little bit. And that's right. That's right. In fact, last year it was pointed out that last year he told legislators, do your do job. Right. This year he said, just think of the things we've done already yeah. together. We, the pronoun that's we right. was that's, re- that's right. repeated throughout the talk. That's so right. your thoughts on this budget? Well, look, uh, it was 22 minutes in length when the governor, it's one of the shortest uh, in my 30 years of covering this. Uh, the other thing is that what struck me is the profound restructuring of state government that the budget uh, brief contained. I mean, literally, it's going to take several years to implement. It's hard to find a department, an agency, a function that some ways not affected by what the governor has proposed. It's massive. And, you know, we don't have three days to get into the details of it. We will. Yeah, I know you will. Of course you will over the next week or so. But the point is, that I think is the biggest takeaway. He obviously had his reelection in mind. No broad-based taxes. Uh, the tenor and tone was very different. The nature of how he wants to balance the budget, $700 million shortfall right now in this year's budget, $3 billion, what they call structural deficit. He's, through the restructuring and some new taxes, he's going to balance, get rid of $2 billion of the $3 billion, I should say. And I thought it was pretty well received by on both sides of the aisle. It, it wasn't Washington yesterday in the Capitol in Harrisburg. 
And just so everyone knows, when we're talking about consolidation, what uh, the governor has proposed is consolidating the departments of aging, drug and alcohol programs, human services and health into a Department of Health and Human Services. So, yeah, that's one. He also proposes taking the operation in corrections and probation and parole, putting them in a Department of Criminal Justice. As I said, this goes on and on and on. The list of of reforms cost effectiveness and there are a couple like the tax the uh taxing the municipalities that get their police protection from the state that's interesting and then lifting some of the exemptions in the sales tax you know i did not know that if you buy an airplane in the state you don't pay sales tax on it well, remember that next time you're buying a plane. But uh, yeah, and, that's what that's one of the, the of the several exceptions. Yeah, when the the governor proposed his budget two years ago, his first budget, one of the most controversial aspects of it was that uh, taking um, expanding that list of items that are exempted yeah. from the sales tax yeah. now. And I mean, you remember the TV commercials? The governor wants to tax your funerals and things like that. Well, what he's talking about now, just for example. Eliminated the exemption for computer-based services such as right. programming, design, and data processing. Uh, eliminated the exemption for commercial storage, excluding farm product and warehousing storage, as well Correct. as transportation services. Eliminating the exemption for airline purchases of catered food and non-alcoholic beverages served to airline, airline passengers. passengers. I didn't yeah. realize that those things. I didn't either. Very few. <laughs> and but one of the questions I have there is okay. Planes fly over borders. We'll have to look into that one a little closer. Eliminating exemption for aircraft sales, use, and repair. So that's just yeah. an example. One quick question before I want to get to Katie Meyer, WITF's uh, Capital Bureau Chief. But, uh, you know, you kind of touched on a few things here, and you may have answered this question already, but were there surprises to you in this budget proposal? Yeah, the scope of the reforms that he wants to bring about, number one. Number, number two, some of the uh, the taxes, for example, going to the business of the state police protection was a pretty big surprise. Uh, there were some others that we can talk about, but here's the big takeaway. This budget, 1.8% increase over last year. Spending increase. Spending increase is a realistic budget that the legislature can tinker with, but I don't think overall you're going to see a huge change to it. The governor has recommended increases in two of his most important priorities. Number one, education and health services of a variety of of types. Bottom line here is the governor is sticking to his priorities, but this is a much more realistic budget in terms of what he's going to get out of a Republican-controlled legislature. While we are, at the moment we speak, the three of us get into this discussion in in election mode, re-election mode, I think, for the governor. That's not a criticism. It's just an observation. How much is it the governor being realistic and seeing that uh, there is the $700 million budget deficit this year and this structural deficit that's in the billions of dollars for next year and maybe even down the road, how much of it is being realistic and how much of it is looking ahead to another race, another re-election race? I think it's a combination of both of them. I mean, he... Look, 
if he can't get a sales and an income tax, both neither of which are particularly popular with voters, why ask for one? I mean, you can ask all you want, but it's it's going to be used by his his likely opponents uh, next year. In fact, they'll use it right now. As we know, we have an active Republican declared candidate who's out on the campaign trail talking about what the governor has been doing. I, I do think, again, it, this was pragmatic. It, it's, it's realistic. They're going to fool around with it. Trust me. The legislature, particularly well, Republicans, do. of course. And the other aspect of it, he was criticized for not talking about pension reform. Right. We'll talk about that. And bottom line is, I think what he's doing here is saying, you know, we can negotiate that. In other words, you want my signature for pension reform, maybe you give me something that I want. So that was fairly obvious by not including it in the discussion yesterday that he's holding that out for negotiations. Katie Meyer is WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief. And uh, Katie, you were at the Capitol yesterday, as was uh, Dr. Madonna. Terry, you say you go every year. You don't know why, but you go every year. You need <laughs> to be in the game. I know. you got to be You have there. to be the excitement. You're right. <laughs> so, Katie, just your overall thoughts on what you saw, what you heard yesterday. Yes. Um, well, as Terry said, this is a much different tone than we've seen from previous years. And, you know, talking to lawmakers afterward, they seemed very conciliatory, especially um, the House Republicans. Now, obviously, the Democrats um, from both caucuses are going to say this is a great budget. We support it. They don't have very much legislative power. So we really do care about the Republicans and what they're going to say. Uh, House uh, Majority Leader Dave Reed um, called this, you know, a very good step in the right direction, uh, said there were a lot of good components to it, which is a change from how his budgets have been received in the past. Wolves have. Um, there are certain aspects that are going to be fought very hard. Um, the uh, increase in the minimum wage to $12 got not a great reception as it hasn't in the past when it's been proposed. Uh, severance tax on Marcellus Shell gas drilling is going to be an issue. Um, that has failed perennially uh, in this legislature, and okay, Wolf is trying it again, and that is a big um, component of his billion dollars in new revenues that he's proposed, so that's going to be tough. Uh, there's also some more revenues, again, in that billion-dollar package of new taxes that are that's, that are going to have a lot of questions, as uh, Terry said. Um, the big ones, obviously, you guys were mentioning them. There's expansions to the sales and use tax. Um, things mostly for corporations and we've heard from I think a lot of the Senate leaders I got this from was that I mean that they're always very tentative about that the Republicans in our legislature because they say well that could drive businesses out of the state it is worth noting too that corporate taxes have been down um, and so the, that revenue stream they're going to take a lot of time and determine whether or not those are going to live up to what's been projected. Now, as you guys mentioned as well, the big complaint, especially out of the Senate, was that pensions were not right. included in this. Right. And to get into that a little bit, so, I mean, we had a 1.8% spending increase in this budget, and that's largely because of rising pension costs and also costs for um, human services. And those both of those systems are overburdened. And so Jay Corman, the Senate Majority Leader, is saying, well, well, this budget does do some restructuring. As you guys said, it's extensive restructuring, but he's saying we need to do some deeper restructuring and fix our pension system and fix how we fund human yeah. services. And that's going to change anyway because that department has been conglomerated now. Well, yeah. you know, I one word I didn't think I would hear uh, very often when talking about the Wolf administration and Republican majority in the House was conciliatory yeah. because two years ago when the, the budget, we went nine months with without a budget, uh, it was 
basically the governor and House leadership that uh, were at odds over uh, many of these things. But so it's interesting to hear you say, Katie, that especially House leadership found that this was uh, a budget that they could work with. Yeah, there was a marked difference in tone between what the House leadership and the Senate leadership were saying. Uh, The Senate took a much harsher tack than, uh, again, you got Majority Leader Dave Reed, you got House Speaker Mike Terzai. Both of them were. I wouldn't say complimentary, but they were close to it when they were talking about... <laughs> about as close budget. as they can uh, get, about right? About as close as they can get, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The one aspect is Mike Terzai, the Speaker of the House, did say that, number one, you're borrowing some of our ideas. And he the, did, and, he said that. And then the other thing, the thing he said is, well, he we could have done more privatization, meaning get rid of some state services and, you know, put them out in the marketplace and, and let the... <laughs> and let when the, he says go, that, he's talking about liquor. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. they want to go for well, with liquor. I understand. That's Mike Terzai's yeah. big yeah. Uh, yeah. initiative. And both of those uh, men that you mentioned, Dave Reed and Mike Terzai, have been uh, also uh, described as potential gubernatorial candidates. Oh, they've as well. all been described as that's, potential yeah, that's right. Maybe candidate. you... I don't know, Kay, you're not old enough to be a governor. Do we have a... Do we have an age... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's 30. And is not it? Oh, yeah, that. I'm not there yet. You're not there years. yet? <laughs> Maybe 35. Uh, Katie Meyer, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're analyzing Governor Tom Wolf's budget proposal for the fiscal year that begins July 1st. It's uh, the 2017-18 fiscal year budget. Uh Short speech yesterday, but the governor did make some uh, really impactful proposals yesterday. Consolidation, no uh, broad-based tax increases, but some tax increases overall. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. Send uh, Smart Talk uh, an email, I should say, to smarttalk at WITF.org. If you would like to leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page, go right ahead. Also, on Twitter, we are at Facebook. Excuse me, I was about to say at, at Facebook, at Smart Talk WITF. Again, that phone number, 1 800 729 7532. Our guest today, Dr. G. Terry Redana, political analyst at Franklin and Marshall College. Uh, so, Terry. Uh, before we go, 30 years of age for to be governor. Okay, I just, well, then look, Katie, you asked the question. Katie, <laughs> Katie can't do it then. Katie's not 30 yet, and she's got a few years to go. But, uh, you know, I and, and we joke about that, but there are. Several people. I mean, we're not getting up there in uh, Republican presidential candidate territory with no, 17, no. but then we could be looking at what? Three, six? four? No, I don't know. Six would probably stretch it, but you, okay. d- you just don't know. I mean, but what's fascinating is how early I know the races in this state for important offices are beginning. Uh, we can obviously, in, down the line, talk about the U.S. Senate race. Senator Casey is up. That race doesn't seem to have taken hold at all. Uh, one of the likely candidates, uh, Congressman Pat Meehan from the 7th Congressional District, said he wouldn't run. He's going to seek re-election to his congressional seat. But I've not heard a single name of a Republican likely to challenge Senator Casey. But for governor, as you point out, they're coming out of the, you know, the at least the discussion about people running is, is at a high level. You know, you may call it fascinating, uh, but <laughs> there are many Pennsylvanians who will say, that's not the word I would use I if starting this early. I mean, we I, thought that that was just presidential candidate or campaign territory. Not, not anymore in this state. No, no. And... You know, it's it's. I'm getting off track a little bit here, but still, uh, you know, it 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 ties in. 
with the controversy over the DeVos, uh, the Betsy DeVos right. uh, uh, nomination as Secretary of Education, I see all these people on Facebook and Twitter saying, we'll remember this, uh, Senator Toomey, when oh, yeah. you, know, you didn't respond to your constituents and all that. We'll remember this election time. Well, he was just reelected in oh, November. That, that you make a, I was asked that myself, and I said, my gosh. We're talking about over five years yeah. until he's on yeah. the ballot again. And the voters' memories as a pollster, right. let me point this out. There'll be so many other issues that come up between now and then that will be important. And should Senator Toomey decide to seek a third term? And, you know, that's not he has decided yeah, it's five that years, yet. You know? It's only five years from now. Yeah. Well, OK, getting back to the budget. Um, We've talked about some of the things that uh, a few of the areas, just a few that Republicans may dis disagree with. And let's talk about those a little bit. Uh, Senator Jake Corman, majority leader in the in the Senate, first thing he said, and this has been one of his main issues, and he's been saying this for two years now, at least two years, but since Governor Wolf was elected, pensions, that Pennsylvania yeah. has to deal with the pension issue. And as was pointed out, it wasn't even mentioned yeah. in the governor's proposal yesterday. Where are we with that? Yeah. And maybe you can explain why that drives, as Republicans say, drives some of these budget deficits. Yeah. Well, first of all, the pension uh, debt, the long-term debt is somewhere between 50 and $60 billion, depending on what estimates. We're talking about real money here. Yeah, and we're talking about retired state workers, workers and teachers, and educators. It's exa Exactly. So that's the threshold date. If everybody, you know, the state were to meet its obligation to retirees, both in, you know, the people who have retired and people who are in the system, in those two systems, as you point out, school personnel and state employees, that's number one. Number two, the governor has already indicated, in fact, he called in uh, to Pennsylvania Cable Network last evening when I was uh, on the program and said that, you know, there are a couple of proposals that he's willing to take a look at and, you know, support, I think, is what he was saying. Number two, three, I think he, when these bills move forward, he's going to enter into negotiations by saying, you want this, well, I, you want A, I want B. In other words, do the old-fashioned negotiations to get something he wants in order to give lawmakers something they want. But he, the governor does have an understanding that the pension debt problem exists, and it, it's eating up money to fund that debt out of the, every year's operating budget. You follow me? Mm -hmm. So that's part of what we call the structural deficit. Uh, I, but the legislature has to get him a plan. I think he's more likely to support, from what he said last evening, what we call hybrid, meaning state employees would continue in the defined benefit program up to a certain income level, perhaps $50,000. And then above that, they would go into defined contribution, which is common in the private sector. We'll have to see. I think there's a fairly decent chance they can get a pension bill through the legislature on on the governor's desk during this session, which just began uh, last month, uh, a two-year session of the legislature. If not, is that an issue big enough for Republicans to hold up a budget being enacted? Conceivably, the answer is yes. Uh, but they, got again, got to get a bill to him. They got to get a bill on the governor's desk, and that remains uh, something to you know that they have to accomplish. Mm -hmm. hey, Emily, you hit the wrong one there. 
<laughs> I apologize. Well, that's all right. We have these cough buttons here. And, uh, <laughs> yesterday when we were out on the road, we it's bring confusing. all the equipment. There, there, there are three. There are three for two mics, and it was just confusing. Emily Preverty is here, by the way. Emily Preverty, WITS Keystone Crossroads reporter, uh, who was covering the budget yesterday uh, yeah. and looking at it from, uh, you know, how the Pennsylvania cities are uh, are impacted and in some other areas as well. But Emily. Since you did reach over and hit Terry's cough button, and we didn't hear <laughs> you know, everything that was, he that said, that was not a hint. That was not, I was she really does, no, she does a great job. Notes on actually, what he was saying because I was interesting. But, but we will bring you into the conversation now. One of I don't know. It was kind of a surprise to me, anyway. Was one of the proposals that the governor made was to charge a twenty-five dollar per person tax of residents of municipalities that are relying on state police, the, the Pennsylvania State Police, for their coverage, that, that those municipalities said we can't afford to maintain our own police departments, and, you know, they got rid of them, and state police have to cover those areas, but they haven't been paying anything in addition. Now, we know just a few weeks ago we had, uh, uh, the, you know, Pennsylvania Association of Township Supervisors on the program, along with Representative Mike Sterla, but the township supervisors are against this. They don't want their uh, their residents to have to face another tax. But at the same time, okay, now hold on, because I know what you're gonna say, Emily, but uh, at the same time, Sterla has been, this is one of Representative Sterla's uh, most significant uh, proposals out there. He feels they should be paying more or paying something. Now, yeah. I, I stopped you, Emily, because $25, what surprised me was, first of all, that this was in the governor's proposal, but that only $25, what Sterla has been asking for is a lot more than that. Yes. So, so talk about it. So while I can understand from one perspective why it would have been surprising to see the recommendation for the $25 fee um, or any fee in, in the budget, prior to I was talking to our news director, Tim Lambert, about this, and I, I kind of wondered if it would be in there because... They have um, outside consultants coming in making recommendations. Now, I haven't seen their full report yet and have to request it. But I, what I said to Tim was that if that recommendation isn't, if that, rec if that suggestion isn't in the budget, I would bet it's in the recommendations. And maybe it's not. But this is something that has been um, kind of debated for, for a while. And, um, you know, anyway, you mentioned the PSATs. Um, executive Director Elam Hur was here, right? And so, uh, actually, wasn't Elam. It was oh, Dave, it wasn't Dave. Okay, so well, Elam Hur is um, also heads up. Um, I I thought he was the executive director. Um, so he's Dave Sanko. Dave Sanko. No, okay. So Elam Hur must be the policy director then. Um, he, Former he's, student of mine. He's generally really yeah. Mm -hmm. He's generally the one who I, I speak to when I send requests to them, and he. Yesterday was there, um, you know, to represent their interests at the at the Capitol. And what um, what he said was that they're not necessarily opposed to what was um, proposed yesterday in, in Governor Wolf's budget. Again, that's a lot less than what Representative Sterla was suggesting. Um, but he said that they wanted a couple of, of things that would make it more palatable. One being, as um, uh, Terry alluded to, pension reform. And the other being, um, you know, some kind of guarantee of, of coverage or a quanti quantitative terms of service 
you know, kind of like buying time or paying for time was how what he described it as. Um, and, and so that that's sort of their stance, obviously, with caveat. They have to look at it. They have to know more details. There wasn't a lot of detail provided yesterday. And that's the same statement that came from the Pennsylvania State Troopers Association um, and also from uh, Republicans in both the House and the Senate. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. One, one point. Uh, it was, uh, it's a little confusing because they're talking about this $25 per head, but I think it's the municipality that actually pays it. Yes. And they, they would be the payment that they would have to make to the state would be based on $25 per head for the residents of the municipality. So it's not like an individual person no, writing a $25 that's right. check yeah. for everyone in their family. Yeah, they, they, the state would have probably lose money if it tried to collect 25 only oh, yeah. 25 bucks from thousands of people right. within a municipality. So the municipality itself will be on the hook for whatever... 25 times the number of residents right. are and then what the municipality does to collect the money from the residents you know it has to be consistent with with state law sure and as we know a lot of municipalities have maxed out their tax rates so right. this would have to i mean the legislation would have to be changed to make an exception for this right. in each of the various codes for the different organizations so right. and that's and you know something you said uh, emily that everyone has to be aware of there are so many issues involved in this but when you talked to uh, Mr. Herr, and he said, well, we want something with pensions. You know, we talked about well, the pensions we were referring to earlier were state workers and educators. Right. Municipal pensions, another Not huge, huge issue. Right. and Nothing. Th nothing in the budget. No, yeah. Yep. Another huge issue. And, uh, you know, local school districts and municipalities dealing with these the, the same issues. Emily, why only $25, though? I mean, what uh, Representative Sturtle was looking for was, I believe, 165 no, $156 per person. Per person. So when we asked the governor this, what they said was, you know, past proposals have have failed to, to move, such as um, Representative Sterla's, and this was what they felt a good place to start. And... Uh, they're not opposed, the governor's not opposed to something higher, but again, this was a, a starting point. Yeah, and here's why this is important. Remember all the controversy we went through a few years ago for years to get a transportation bill oh, yeah. passed. And finally, during the Corbyn administration, we finally got bipartisan action on a, a multi-billion dollar transportation right. bill. Lifting the wholesale gasoline the, the, the tax. Right. Lifting the limit on it so they could raise the wholesale gasoline tax. But what has happened is much, okay, I say much, that's a relative term. A lot of that money has gone to pay this, for the state police coverage of these local municipalities, right. why the local municipalities right. are not paying anything that is directly coordinated coordinated to go not for, going for to police. bridge and road repair, which was the intent right. of the right. legislation. Right. So that's, that's why that's an important thing to note is that this proposal comes on the heels of the cap that was put on the transfers last year. After, I mean, I guess this had been going on since the '90s that they were making these transfers, but public mm -hmm. awareness was either. Um, you know, reawakened or drawn to it for for the first time in Terry, or you might be able to speak more to that because I wasn't here in well, the nineties. I have to, to I have to mention a light moment when you look at the map of the municipalities that fall into the category of getting their police protection from the state. It looks like 
trumps Pennsylvania. Literally, small town and rural Pennsylvania versus urban and exurban PA, which has its own police force. Now, I am not at all suggesting that the no. governor sat down because this has been a debate that's ongoing. But it is mostly that these local governments that we're talking about are small town and rural Pennsylvania. There I think are, you would agree. Yes. There are some exceptions, yes. to be sure. Yes, yeah, actually, some exceptions that surprise me. Yes. I mean, some big population uh, municipalities. I have the actually the state police just sent the most up to date list um, this morning, and so I'm going through that now to look at what the cost ranges would be. Um, and I know anecdotally, someone mentioned a township in um, Cumberland County that has 12,000 people in it, and that's that's covered by the state police. I am not aware off the top of my head, and haven't seen in all of the you know municipalities I've gone through so far what you know if there are larger populations that fall under state police jurisdiction yeah. full-time, but that anecdotally was the largest that I'm aware yeah. of at this point. And, but my, the, the point that Terry is, is making... It's interesting. That is, is interesting. When you yeah. look at the map, you are talking mostly about rural, rural yes. counties and, that, small town. and, yeah. and those and by, that went Trump. Yeah. And I, that's who those rural townships yeah. voted But this for, debate, for as you have covered it over right. the years, right. is, is ongoing. It has nothing to do with that. Just a curiosity yeah. I thought I would yeah. throw out. <laughs> We're always about curiosity, Terry. <laughs> Emily Previty, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Scott. All right, let's take another phone call. Let's go to <clears throat> Evelyn in Perry County. Evelyn, you're on the air. Good morning, Good morning. Scott. Um, I would like to make a comment about the re so-called retirement reform the state has been considering for many, many, many years now. And as a retired state employee... Um, I'm very concerned about it because my worry is that without new employees coming in and paying into the system, eventually for those of us who are already retired, there will be no money. And I'm very aware of what it says in the law that we have to be covered. But um, I know state government very well. And just because it says that doesn't mean that will necessarily be uh, adhered to mm -hmm. in the future. You know, you know, Evelyn, but, almost what, what you're describing almost sounds like what we hear when talking about Social Security. But yeah, the, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and as we know, Republicans are trying to get rid of Social Security, too. Well, that they're, they're, they have talked about privatizing over the years, but I think mm -hmm. they kind of backed away from that somewhat. But uh, thank you very much for your call. Well, uh -huh. I have a question oh, okay. Go I'd ahead. like Go to put out Go there. Ahead. With all of this discussion of retirement reform, the General Assembly is not part of that nor is the governor or any other elected official. And I want to know why. <laughs> why have they not included themselves in that when actually they reap far more benefits from retirement than what the average state worker does? What I pull in every year from, uh, from retirement really isn't that much. But when you look at our elected officials, they get quite a bit, and yet, 
they are not included in this. Now, why is that? Mm. Isn't that elitist? That I'm in charge of making the laws, so I'm not going to include myself in this. Evelyn, thank you very much for your question. I I have to go on now, but thank you very much for your call. Well, we hear this a lot. I mean, this is... Often. Yeah, this is not... In fact, I already have another call asking the same thing. This is not uncommon. And remember a few years ago in the early part of this century when they amended the retirement law and upped the multiplier, which is one of the biggest factors in what a retiree would get, uh, the legislature gave itself twice the multiplier, Scott, literally saying, we're going to give ourselves more. So the the short answer is, why do they do it? Because they can. Uh, I'm not, I mean, I think the concern long-term about the future of the retirement system is is important. Now, in all fairness, and I want to be completely honest about this, I'm in that system as a former professor at Millersville University, a state, a state-owned entity, not run, <laughs> owned as well. And, and, you know, I'm not, I, I think they'll meet their requirement. The courts have already weighed in on that for retirees. But the difficulty with some of the pension reforms is that that doesn't do very much to get rid of the debt for at least 10 to 15 years. Think about that. Right. And then the long-term future is in doubt if you don't have the kind of money put back in. The caller raises a good a good question. Oh, excellent. And one you've heard this before. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have said it many times, talking about uh, pensions is not the sexiest issue in the no. world. It is not something that on the campaign trail you you're it. going to hear a constituent ask, uh, you know, often you wouldn't hear a constituent ask uh, a candidate, well, what are you going to do about the pension? Right. But as Pennsylvanians are learning more and more about it and are hearing more and more uh, from some of their elected officials that this is a major issue, maybe it becomes a little sexier issue or yeah. one that's out there a little bit more. I think it has yeah. over the last couple of years. Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, often there are proposals made because you can't in, in legally touch current employees and and retirees. You can look at new employees, and that's where... The, the fact where the details are being ironed out in the legislature for talking about what you're going to ha- do with new employees. We'll talk about some more issues uh, raised by uh, Governor Wolf's uh, budget proposal yesterday coming up. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. We're talking about Governor Wolf's proposed budget, state budget, uh, for the 2017-18 fiscal year. Our guest, Dr. G. Terry Madonna, political analyst with Franklin and Marshall College. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at org. You can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page. On Twitter, we are at WITF. 1 800 729 right, let's get into a few other aspects of this, Terry. Uh, you did mention uh, the governor proposing cuts of up to $2 billion. So, where are those cuts going to be made? They're spread across a myriad of, of programs in state governments, Scott, and services that get delivered. There's no one that I think specifically. Uh, you know, would would dominate, but cutting cutting uh, bureaucracy, uh, 
trying to raise revenue as well by retaining business and by encouraging uh, sales in the marketplace. And I'll tell you, there's the one that hasn't gotten virtually any news is really fascinating. I, I just want to point this out. The Department of Community and Economic Development gives grants, state economic grants, to uh, businesses for job creation. So here's what the governor wants to do. If you get a state grant and you create a job, I hire Scott for a position. If I don't keep you for five years in that job, I have to give back the grant. That sounds like I'm back to Donald Trump. If you move your company to Mexico and you want to sell your product back here, you're going to pay a tax. Yeah, there's carrot and stick there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. And there's another one. If you end your end your operation within a certain period of time, you got to pay the grant back. You know, your total operation. So I think there's some accountability measures in here. That's the word I would use to try to deal with it. Uh, and. These are going to play out over years. I don't think any that the broad scope of these can be. I mean, we're talking about years to implement them. Perhaps far more than the the rest of the term, at least the first term for Governor Wolf. We'll see if he gets another term. But there are you know a variety of ways in which they expect. By the way, that five hundred. You mentioned the four agencies that are going to right. be put in the new Department of Health. Mm-hmm. And health and human services. Yeah, health yeah. and human. They're talking about 500 positions, ultimately, that get eliminated. 500. Yeah. Now, some of them uh, by attrition. You know, they're not laying off. Maybe five. oral retirement is one of the yeah, things. That yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So you go through this proposal, and that's what you, you kind of pick. A hundred million here, a hundred and fifty million here. You know, there's no one thing that I would cite that sort of dominates. Okay, well, here's my question about that. When I, you know, this was something that was it wasn't exactly leaked. It was uh, discussed a few weeks ago. Is the the governor was uh, talking about uh, consolidating these four departments into right. one department, uh, and they're estimating a hundred million dollars in savings. And my question is. Where do those savings come from? I mean, was there that much duplication between these four agencies? Uh, That much duplication, and then you mentioned 500 people who could possibly lose their jobs or retire. Yeah, well, if you end up not having a payroll of 500 people, there's going to be considerable savings. Not $100 million. Yeah, yeah. no, I get it. I think it's a variety of ways. And remember, they're talking about doing other things in state government, which would help, like where they get their tech services from? How can they coordinate them and consolidate them? How do they buy and purchase things? I mean, it's it's not, again, one thing that gets you to the number. Now, here's, here's another fact. When you look historically, when governors and presidents go down the line, and I don't, I'm not suggesting the governor can't do this, but they rarely meet their projections for the reform measures that they propose, meaning the that they're going to the projections to save a certain amount of money, that that's really tough. I'm not suggesting that the government is governor is being overly optimistic about it. We just don't know enough about some of the areas in which he proposes to do these reforms. Whether you can centralize services that were spread out over departments and agencies, whether you can combine and have functions picked up by multiple departments and agencies where they were being provided by one at a higher cost. You just don't know. We're just going to have to wait. We we may never fully know if the government implements this 
what the savings actually were. Okay. We talked about some areas that are cut, and here's one fifty million dollars. Okay, that's that's a lot of money to you and I, but <laughs> or you and me, I should say. But yeah. uh, um, you know, it's it's not in the scope of a thirty-one billion dollar budget. But still, it will be controversial, and we'll explain why. But uh, cutting fifty million dollars for school transportation. Yeah. Now that's competitively bidded, as I understand it. And because they got efficiencies with gasoline, you know, and other efficiencies in transportation, they're saying they can redo that formula and save money that way. Now, again, I I am not knowledgeable enough in the transportation of kids uh, to know whether you can actually get that kind of a saving or not. But again, there's an area where the government, state government does have a role to play because, in a sense, it provides the money for this. And what they'd have to do, uh, I didn't even realize this, that the total number of kids that get transported each year is a million. Mm. Think about that. We have a population of, what, 12 million, yeah. a little more than 12 million. A million of them are being you know, brought back and forth. And they get you know, their buses and subsidies for pupil transportation in our state. And as that goes up, what the governor's saying is we can make some savings here, and as you point out, $50 million. Well, one of the reasons I brought that up is, okay, if we can find some efficiencies there, if we can you know, change this yeah. formula, gas prices stay low, although they have gone up a little They're bit going up. since our, our uh, tax per gallon right. went up the first of the year. But still, um, say they can do all these things, or maybe I should say, maybe they, if they can't do them, what yeah. I see happening or what can happen is we know local school districts, really the only way they can do anything is they cut themselves, yeah. but more than likely raise property taxes to make up for that money. Could be. That leads into the next conversation. The governor really didn't address property taxes in, That's in, exactly in, right. in this budget. There has been behind the scenes, I say behind the scenes, I don't know if it's a big secret or anything, I don't think so, but it just hasn't gotten a lot of media attention so far, yeah. is that there has been a move to resurrect property, property tax, tax reform, reform, maybe during right. this session. So what mm. about that? Well, before we, let's go to the last point. 80%, 80% of pupil transportation in the state is provided through contracted services. So the governor is saying here, if we do a competitive procurement services, we can, you know, we can't eliminate the cost, but we can reduce the cost, and that will make a commitment, he also argues in his budget message, to transparency. So that's the point. Here is the dilemma with property tax. We're talking $11, $12 billion, 11 or $12 billion we pay in property taxes. If you want to completely eliminate it, as some people do, you're going to have the biggest cost shifting in the history of the state. 70% of the revenue from the state comes from two taxes. 40% uh, personal income tax, about 31% from uh, sales tax. That's it. 70%. You're going to have to raise the income and personal income taxes to come up, you mean income and sales? Tax. I'm sorry, income yeah. and sales to come up with 11 to 12 billion dollars. Now that would be a huge shift. People and I hear from retirees, and I'm sure you do all the mm -hmm. time. People on fixed income are paying 
heavy school taxes, and I understand that. I mean, yeah, it is tough. And I'm not suggesting we shouldn't do something, but every tax shift produces winners and losers. So uh, there will be people who can deduct the income, uh, the uh, property tax from their taxes, from their federal taxes. But guess what you can't do with the sales tax? You're out buying something. You can't, by and large, deduct it. So you see what I mean? And getting that amount, by the way, in the polls that I've done and others, the property tax is by far the most unpopular tax in this state. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let me just... uh you know, bring up a couple other points, and they and these are kind of big picture items. A lot of these things goes back go back to our economy. All right, Pennsylvania, the the U.S. Census Bureau put out some statistics uh, about a month or so ago that Pennsylvania lost like six thousand people, something like that. Don't hold me to the figures. Yeah, no, you're right. But, they've lost some people. Right, exactly. We, we've we've lost we've lost some people. Um, our projected revenues have not come in. That's part of the reason we have this $700 million budget exactly. deficit this year. Revenues has not have not come in as projected. We have a structural deficit. deficit. One of the criticisms I heard of the governor's proposal yesterday is that it does not ad- addresses some part of the structural deficit, but down the road, right. some of the, and pensions, that goes back to pensions, and some of the drivers of a long-term structural deficit. Mm-hmm. What can state government yeah. do to improve that economy? Well, with you know, if we if we, uh, typically our population has has actually gone up with each uh, decennial census, you know, there's no doubt about that. But the amount it's gone up, Scott, has been minuscule, com- particularly compared to states in the South and the Southwest. That's why we've lost congressional seats. We used to have 36. 1930. Now we have 18. And that could and be one of the big, the most impactful parts of losing yeah. this population this year. We may lose another one, right? That, that, oh, undoubtedly. Okay. So we now we take a look at what you're talking about. Since 2009, we have had a serious revenue problem in the state. In other words, the revenues that we're generating are not keeping up with the commitments that state government makes in a whole array, things we've talked about, education, health care, you, you name it. The, and so the solution is either to cut spending further, you know, to eliminate or reduce some of the programs that the state has operating, transfer them back to local governments, which themselves have fiscal problems, and or raise taxes, personal income, sales tax, in order to accommodate what the state wants to do. There's no magic bullet here. Uh, but the fundamental pro- the Republicans would say, well, the fundamental problem is spending. We're spending too much. And I'm not picking on Republicans, but that's what they say. Uh, bottom line here is, unless we figure out a way and the economy grows, the economy of the state has to pick up and grow faster. And that's the, that's the other problem. If the economy were to pick up as it did in the 1990s and in the early years of this century, we were spending money at five and a half, six percent a year back in the day. Tom Ridge was living in luxury, and so was Rendell <laughs> through most of his. I mean, the state was because they were pouring dollars out into virtually every program you could think of. That that no longer can be the case. We either got to tax more, reduce the services in some way, or the third option is 
let the economy grow, and that's the difficult part. Let's take a call from Jim and Headers. Jim, you're on the air. Hey, thank you. Uh, you were talking about state employees. Well, a way that the state could recover some money is people who retired before, I think it's 2005 or something, I don't know the exact date, paid nothing for their medical insurance. Those of us who retired after that date have to pay a certain percentage of our final average salary when we retired. So as you were saying, it may not be a bunch of money, but it's still money that they can collect. And I wonder, I've heard from the highest level of the personnel office and the governor's office that they have the right, they can't touch the pension, but they can yeah. touch what they charge for medical benefits. Yeah. Thank you very much for your call. I That's would a great question. That is a great question. I don't know how much money it would bring in, as Jim admits, yeah. but still. Yeah, no, that and that, that's been an issue. The implication out of some of the Supreme Court decisions, Scott, is that they probably couldn't touch that. I'm not saying they can or they can't. I'm just saying there was the assumption that they couldn't touch retirees' medical benefits as well. But here's what will happen. As time goes on and as the retirees are recovered by it pass away, that benefit doesn't continue to their spouses. So translation, eventually that that problem dissipates, but it is a cost to the state. The The uh, caller is 100% correct about that. Uh, a comment here, property taxes are made by assessments, and the assessments are all over the place because yep. they depend on the local municipality. Exactly. True as can be. We have about two minutes no left. No uniform assessment, state uniform assessment standards. I go back to the 1970s when lawmakers were trying, some even, you know, it gets tried today. No statewide uniform assessment. Terry, we have to talk about this, and we, we've mentioned it, touched it, but I want to talk about it because it could be like one of the no-goes for Republicans, and that is the tax severance tax on Marcellus Shale yeah. gas drilling. Republicans are happy to let things as they are Correct. right now with uh, the uh, the impact fee that we have that mostly goes to municipalities yeah, goes where the impact is, but Governor Wolf, this is one thing that he's talked about every year. Yep. Yep. About a minute left. Yep. What do you think? Well, he's going to continue to propose it. By the way, and objectively, every poll that I've seen, including my own, uh, our own at FNM, uh, it's popular. It's popular with Democrats and Republicans. Uh, it's a niche tax. People like niche taxes as opposed to general taxes. My sense is that the legislature is not likely to pass it again with higher Republican majorities in both in, in, in the Senate, you know, they're up to 34, 121 in the House, more conservative than it was in the previous session. I can't believe they passed the severance tax. And the governor called for 5% when he ran. This one is, what, 6.5%. Yeah. So he's up the ante. And remember, the price of natural gas is up slightly, but nowhere near where it was. And by the way, the impact fee is down again, in the reports that we get on how much money gets generated to the state from it, which gets handed out mostly to municipalities. And that's because of... Uh, Some you know, not, wells aren't... Uh, right, they not stop producing as much, right. Or not producing at all. <laughs> but that may change in yeah. the, in the yeah. long run. Yeah. Uh, political analyst Dr. Cheater Bandana of uh, Franklin Marshall College. Terry, thank you very much My for being pleasure. with us. Coming up on tomorrow's show, I'm actually not going to be here tomorrow. Uh, Marie Cusick is going to fill in for me with State Representative Greg Vitale and the interim president of Dickinson College, and that's coming up tomorrow.